Hey, welcome to WGN-TV Political Report. I'm Paul Lisnick. And I'm Timon Bradley. Coming up. We should always have the goal of being the safest big city in America. It is absolutely unacceptable. Tackling problems in the Chicago Police Department and on city streets, we go one-on-one -on -one with the interim superintendent. Plus. A, an obligation to be transparent in everything that we do. Yeah, I don't think we can trust anything that Ms. Fox is saying. Call it a February surprise how new charges against Jussie Smollett are reshaping the race for Cook County State's attorney. And property tax transformation, Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage here to talk about how changes in his office will impact your wallet. The Chicago Police Department is at a crossroads. Officers are facing court-mandated reforms while fighting persistent violence. Last weekend brought Chicago's deadliest days in February since 2002. Nine murders and more than a dozen people wounded by gunfire. And a CPD detective took her own life. Department statistics show officers are making progress, reducing shootings overall. But Pastor William Crowder says neighborhoods like his are still being ravaged by guns. We know that just this past weekend, there were nine deaths, uh, nine individuals who looked just like me. Um, their ages range somewhere between 19 and 39, uh, shot and killed. And you know, Tamon, that's just, uh, it's unacceptable. I'm sure it's unacceptable to the superintendent, to the mayor, to all of the elected officials. I know to the clergy and to the folks that I serve in this community, it is absolutely unacceptable. We got to do something about it. The spike in violence this winter comes as the department searches for a new top cop. Mayor Lori Lightfoot fired Superintendent Eddie Johnson over a series of ethical lapses, and the impact of his departure is only now being realized. Community activists like Jamal Green say despite his personal faults, Johnson had earned trust. Eddie Johnson definitely made community relations better after McCoy McDonald. Usually we were protesting the superintendent of police. Eddie Johnson didn't have those problems because he was able to smooth things over with people as well as uh, do things in the police department to show them, listen, I'm making an effort. Whether it's moving forward excessive force policies, whether it's holding police officers accountable, whether it's releasing tapes that usually wouldn't be released if he wasn't the superintendent. He was saying to us, hey, what you, this, is, this is what I can do to show you I'm doing my effort. So what can you do to help me? Help Wanted ads are posted for the superintendent job, but by no means is the office empty. Since late last year, former Los Angeles Police Chief Charlie Beck has held interim status. This week, Beck and the 41 police commanders were summoned to the mayor's office to discuss the increase in shootings. And at CPD headquarters, we sat down with Beck one-on-one. -on -one. Superintendent, thanks for your time. You've put a lasting stamp on the department, ending the merit promotion program and restructuring the entire department. Why make those changes now? Well, I've been here nine weeks. I've got to do something. But the reality is, is, is the organization has been, been needing those changes for a long time. You know, the, the merit promotion system it was ill-named. You know, it didn't really promote folks uh, by merit. Oftentimes it, it was used for cronyism and some other things. And it also took a lot of the uh, belief away from rank-and-file officers that they had a chance of, of promotion. But it's not really only the merit system, though. You need a regular promotional system that people understand, so you have a culture of education, a culture of excellence, and, and we're going to push all that forward. So that was important. The restructuring really important because, you know, Chicago has a couple of really 
difficult challenges in front of it. One of, it, one of those is gang and gun violence. And so we wanted to put as many uh, resources together to address those. So we, we tore down some of the silos that separated detectives from patrol. We put them all under the same organization, Office of Operations, with the same mission to, to make Chicago safe, to make it the safest big city in America. On the merit promotion, some aldermen are concerned that this will lead to fewer minorities at the top of CPD. How do you ensure that CPD has minorities in top posts in the department? So, you know, and I've talked to all the aldermen about it. I've talked to many, many of the community members about it that have similar concerns. The reality is the merit system did, uh, promotions did not result in diversity in, in supervisory ranks. Matter of fact, just the opposite. And then as we move forward, by having regular promotional exams, you can tweak it to get the kind of uh, the kind of diversity that we need, not just that we want. I think that, that sometimes people get that confused. We don't just want diversity; we need diversity. You know, the, the city has to look at the police department as a reflection of itself, and and because that is one of the things that allows us to build trust and to be effective. And those things are the most important things. The Chicago FOP has been resistant even combative to major reforms in the past. Have you received any pushback from them on, on your restructuring? Well, they were supportive of the, of the merit uh, piece and uh, they have not given me any pushback on the, the restructure. And I talked uh, to the FOP about it. You know, I, I think they have a wait and see attitude, which I totally understand. And actually I support that attitude. I, would, I, I don't want a union that blindly supports me. I want a union that we work with to make a better police department. And you know, so far, you know, I, and, and uh, although I know my predecessors have had their difficulties with them, so far they've, they've dealt fairly with me. The mayor has indicated that planning for the summer violence could begin as soon as next month. What role will you play in coming up with the strategy? You know, we've been, we've been planning it since, since last month, actually, and met with all the other city departments to talk about what we could all do together. Because, it's, you know, I think that, that the thing that Chicago needs to, to to work on is that it's everybody's job to prevent violence. You know, every, every whether it's streets and sanitation, whether it's parks, whether it's the Chicago public schools, whether it's the Chicago, Chicago Police Department, all of us need to be on the same page doing everything we can to, uh, to reduce violence, particularly among young people. You know, young people in Chicago far too prone to violence. Not all of them, of course, not even most of them, but there's a cohort that are, that are far too likely to go to the gun for a minor dispute. We know, Superintendent, that overall uh, crime is down in the city, but downtown and on the near north side, robberies are up. What do you make of that? What's driving uh, the crime downtown and on the north side? Well, you know, we, have, we do have some issues. You know, the, the, uh, obviously the weather's been much better than last year, so when you compare this year to last year, you have to factor that in, but that's not the only factor, and I don't want people to think that's what I'm saying. What, what, I, what we have to do is we have to make sure that, that, uh, that we work with our victims to make identifications, to put people into custody that, that, that prey on other folks, and to do it quickly and in a way that sends a message to everybody that you know, this kind of uh, crime will not be tolerated. You know, it isn't just because it's on uh, the north side, it's, it, it is in any, any part of Chicago. You know, you, you cannot just go and pick victims and, and expect to get away with it. And so that's a really important message. At the end of last year, the department touted the improving murder clearance rate, but the Sun-Times found that the number of murder cases resulting in an arrest has gone down. The department says it's because prosecutors are rejecting murder charges. Is the state's attorney, is it the state's attorney's fault that the murder clearance rate is so bad? 
Well, you know, I think that people have to recognize what murder clearance really is. It's a, it is a system by which we compare cities across the nation in how they're working towards solving homicides. And so, you know, when, when people say that we cleared uh, cases exceptionally, exceptionally, excuse me, and that's a bad thing. Well, that's not a bad thing. That's part of the system. You know, if you're going to measure me against Chicago, against New Chicago, against L.A., then we have to be on the same system. And that, that's what the, the Sun-Times reported on. Now, you know, we have made um, a lot of immediate arrests uh, relative to murders, you know, in, in the very, very recent past, and we'll continue to do that. We know we're going we're to push this forward. People are going to go to jail for these crimes, and we're going to make sure that's a priority. Let's talk about technology. You're using an extensive network of surveillance cameras. You're trying out facial recognition software. Do you have anyone tasked with the job of making sure that this technology is not abused? Well, absolutely. You know, every one of our uh, technology pieces has guidance, has rules, has uh, uh, policies that that keep it within bounds, especially facial recognition. You know, I think I think that's what people primarily worry about. You know, as far as surveillance cameras, you know, the, it is amazing um, how many times anybody in Chicago is on video. And I have to tell you, it's not only police video, it's everybody's video. You know, we, uh, we had a shooting over, the officer involved shooting uh, over the weekend. I just reviewed uh, the video from it, you know, and, and the vast majority of video, we not only have the body-worn camera, but we have the, the pod cameras that are owned by the city, and then we have many, many private cameras that we, that we draw video from. So, I mean, I think folks have to understand that this is the reality of modern society. There's, you know, we are all uh, under increased surveillance and or scrutiny, you know, and, and I think this is just something we got to get used to. You know, it's kind of like you get used to having a cell phone in your pocket. Um, you're going to have to get used to this, and people should understand that, that, that if you do break the law, the chances of being on, on video are very high. You took over sooner than you expected after Eddie Johnson was fired. Is the IG report weighing on the department at all? Well, I think that, that uh, always, you know, when you have a, an open end, you know, that, something that is unresolved, uh, that, that that is an issue. But I think everybody also wants a, a complete and, and fair investigation, you know, and I, uh, I trust the IG will complete that. Did you find that officers were trying to cover up for their former boss? You know, that's not, that's not my place to say. That's part of the IG's investigation, and I'm sure that uh, that, that will be the, uh, the resolution. It took Los Angeles 12 years to get uh, out from under the consent decree. How long do you think it'll take Chicago? Well, I, I know it won't be 12 years. I know that Chicago is much, uh, much more able than that. You know, many things are in place that were very difficult for L.A. to do, you know, such as body cameras, in-car video. Many of these things were, took us, you know, the majority of consent decree to, to implement just because of the state of technology at the time. So many of these things are already in place in Chicago. So, you know, I am certainly hoping that it, it'll be much shorter than 12 and closer to the six, seven year range. And last question, do you ever think there'll be a day when Chicago is considered safer than Los Angeles? <laughs> well, there, I think that we should always have the goal of being the safest big city in America. You know, Chicago has a lot of things going for it. And I, and I tell people that, you know, because, because people being a, an outsider, coming from the outside as, as brought in as somewhat of a reform chief, uh, you know, I think people anticipate that I'm gonna say bad things about Chicago PD. I am not. This is a tremendous police department. It, it has good support from the majority of the people in Chicago. You know, everywhere I go, people want a better Chicago Police Department, and so do our cops. So we're going to do everything we can to give that to them. Superintendent, thank you. Thank you. 
Beck has made clear he does not want to be the permanent head of the Chicago Police Department. He promised his wife he'd go back home to California and back into retirement after a few months. So the search is still on and reports say this week that the police board has narrowed down its list of candidates. That includes Deputy Police Chief Ernest Cato, former Dallas Police Chief David Brown, Aurora Police Chief Kristen Zeman, and former LAPD official Sean Melanowski. Of course, the mayor could reject the police board's nominees and choose someone outside the process. That's what Rahm Emanuel did in 2016 when he broke precedent to appoint Eddie Johnson to the position. Back then, the head of the police board, Lori Lightfoot. Interesting. Thanks, Taman. We're going to take our first break. Coming up next. Kim Fox must resign now. Yes, I think she should resign on the attack in the race for state's attorney, how a special prosecutor's latest indictment of Jussie Spolett is reigniting the issue a month from Election Day. And later, developers fear an economic disaster, but a new report says not to worry about growing property tax bills. We're talking to County Assessor Fritz Kage. Stay tuned. I think we do a disservice to our entire justice system when we don't acknowledge the fact that we were sending people to prison for crimes that they didn't commit. County State's Attorney Kim Fox finds herself back on the defense, forced to again address her decision to drop charges in the now infamous case against Jesse Smollett. Just over a month until Election Day, Special Prosecutor Dan Webb handed down a new indictment of the Empire actor last week. The charges are giving new life to Fox's opponents who insist she isn't up for the job. You said it there, Paul. We've got a month to go, and Jesse Smollett certainly is going to dominate the discussion out on the campaign trail. But Fox shows strength. She's got great support among African Americans, and really the entire Democratic establishment is back here. Including some national figures, and it makes you wonder, Taman, whether or not these endorsements are coming in because they know the fight she faces on the Jesse Smollett issue. Of course, there's always high-profile cases in the office, and any one of those people who wants to take that job will have to deal with those kind of situations. And next week... The gloves come off right here in the WGN studio. All four Democratic candidates for Cook County State's Attorney will be here to debate the issues. The event will be moderated by Taman and myself. We'll bring you the debate in full. No commercials. Sunday, February 23rd from 6 to 7 p.m. We certainly endeavor to make sure that it's not all about Jesse Smollett. No, we got other things to ask. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> when we come back, don't panic. That's the message from the Cook County Assessor to developers who say the burden of their property tax bills could send Illinois into economic shock. Fritz Kage joins me after the break. Welcome back to WGN-TV Political Report. In tonight's Closer Look, we're talking property taxes in Cook County. For nearly a decade, the office that determines the value of the county's nearly 2 million parcels of land was led by a formula that left the poor paying more and the rich paying less. Well, my next guest was elected back in 2018 to act as an agent of change for taxpayers. His new way of doing business still causing some complaints amongst groups who may have benefited from the broken system. Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage joining us in our WGN studios. Mr. Susser, welcome. Glad to be here, Paul. Thanks for having me back. So you've been in your office for over a year now. Talk to me about what it is you walked into, what you had to untangle that was left by your predecessor, Joe Berrios. Well, one of the things that we talk about is that when we came up in the ninth floor where our analysts sit, we saw this huge giant 
pile of boxes. Remember the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark where they hit the <laughs> yes. ark and it's all those boxes? That, that was one year worth of appeals. No sprinklers, occupying a whole city block, piled up to the ceiling. And that was kind of a parable for the things that we needed to change. There are too many, too many appeals, too much paper, a system that no one trusted. So we put in a lot of changes. People, we brought in great people from around the country, experts. At my inauguration, I invited my family and I thanked them, but I said, we won't be hiring you at the office. Second thing we did is we brought in new processes. For example, an ex ethics executive order where I won't take donations from lawyers or appraisers practicing before the office. Also, we brought in new, pro uh, new technology. Uh, we have a new website, new call center, online appeals, online exemptions, all happening this month. We're very proud of that. And then we've been transparent. We have put our residential model online. That makes us the most transparent assessor's office in the United States for that. And on the commercial side, we showed how we got to our numbers. All important, but maybe no good deed goes unpunished. The head of the Chicagoland Chamber of Commerce says that shifting the property tax burden from residential homes to businesses, and I'm quoting, should shock the entire state of Illinois into economic downturn. Could shock into economic downturn. Those are tough words. Uh, you know, what I'd say is that look around the rest of the country. We have so many peers who are healthy, who are doing well, and they do it the way we should be doing it, which is to assess properties based on the market value of properties, using good data, using good practices, and not uh, showing um, preference or favoritism. And that's what we're doing here. It works well in so many other states. We're one of the last places in the nation that had an assessment system as troubled as ours. They're thriving. We deserve the same. You know, you walk down certain streets in the city, like on, on North Broadway, north side of the city, so many businesses, they're gone. They're unable to pay their rents. My question is, how do foreclosures, shuttered businesses, impact the taxes on that property and in the neighborhood? Well, what, what vacancy does is it robs, the, robs, first of all, properties of vitality. It robs the city of sales taxes, which could offset property taxes. And it, um, it reduces employment. You know, what we can do is reform our assessment practices so we don't unintentionally encourage vacancy. In the first half of this year, we, we will be coming out with a revised policy um, that, that's based on data that will uh, serve as less of an incentive on vacancy because we know vacancy has been a problem on the north side, but also the south side, west side, in the suburbs. Uh, we, we think that you know, if your property is kept 100% vacant, you shouldn't get a 90% reduction in your assessment because the market value doesn't fall 90%. It sounds like it's worth it to a business to be vacant sometimes for that kind of tax savings. Actually, if you look at the parcels that have received vacancy treatment, you'd be surprised that most of those parcels are on the north side because it's been a way to speculate on land while reducing your tax burden, and then you get a payoff when you resell your property. In the meanwhile, hurting tax revenues, hurting neighboring businesses, hurting foot traffic, and hurting vitality. We can change this for the better. I know your efforts to modernize data collection got stalled a bit by the Illinois legislature. Um, you did get the senior bill through, which is good, but spring session is now underway. Where do things stand? Well, the senior bill does automatically renew the senior exemption, and that helps hundreds of thousands of people uh, in Illinois, in Cook County, and we're very proud of that. We worked with House leadership to get that bill passed to overcome their fears that we couldn't handle this technological process. And that gives us hope for the spring session because our bill passed by a, bar by a bipartisan supermajority out of the Senate already. Now we're in the House. We're in the mid-40s in our co-sponsors. It keeps on rising. We need 60 to pass. We have the votes to pass. And uh, at the end of last session, we addressed 
uh, a lot of the concerns that folks had in terms of the wording of the bill. Now, some people are against, but this bill is ready to go. It's one of the low pieces of, low, it's low-hanging fruit for property tax reform. It was mentioned in the Property Tax Relief uh, Task Force report, and we hope it'll be adopted because this is a way we can deliver on property tax reform and get the benefits that people in the rest of the country have in their assessment system. Um, as you move into the, the area for this year, the western southern suburbs, next year is the city. Underfunded public worker pension funds, higher minimum wage, does that impact your work? Well, under, you know, we have a high property tax burden here in Illinois uh, because we are number 50 in the United States for how we fund schools. So that puts an immense amount of burden on localities and everyone feels it, including those folks uh, in the commercial uh, property industry, which, which you mentioned. You know, what I'd say is that we can make an assessment system that's more transparent and predictable that will help investments happen and that will be especially good for the South Suburbs. We're really pleased with a report that Cushman and Wakefield just came out uh, saying that the reforms that we're putting in a place are good for the long-term health of the market. It de-risks the system, it makes it more predictable, it encourages investment, it makes it more predictable. All right. Cook County Assessor, Chris Kagey, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. So okay. much to learn from you. And one more break, and we'll be right back. With the eyes of the NBA on Chicago during this All-Star weekend, state lawmakers are renewing their push to get student-athletes paid. Last year, the Illinois House passed a plan to allow college athletes to make money off of endorsement deals. The bill stalled in the Senate just as the NCAA started making moves towards lifting their own ban on the practice. Supporters say the state should have laws in place to protect young athletes who often have to rely on scholarships and meal plans just to get by. Indeed. All right, that's going to do it for our show this week. Next Sunday, Governor Pritzker gives his budget address. Can the state finally balance the books? Plus, we'll have a preview of our debate with the Democratic candidates for Cook County State's attorney. You can catch the full debate next Sunday, February 23rd, right here on WGN, starting at 6 p.m. Thanks for watching, everybody. It's going to be a good debate. It's going to be fun. <laughs>